Good morning. morning. Welcome to Zion on this fourth Sunday after Epiphany. Uh, Before we begin our service, a few things to share with you. First thing, I'm going to pass around this clipboard, which is the sign-up sheet for the prayer chain. Um, If you want to be on the prayer chain, please put your name and your phone number, the best phone number to contact you. And that could be call or text if it's a cell number. Uh, If you're already on the prayer chain, please put your name down as well so we know you still want to be on there. Uh, So feel free to pass this around conveniently during the service. Uh, Also a reminder that newsletters are out in your boxes, so please pick those up if you haven't done that yet. Also during the service today, we will install our church council for this year. So we'll take a moment to do that after we say the creed together. Uh, Prayer request, please keep in your prayers. Greg Luchenko again had a procedure at Lima Memorial on Friday. Uh, Pray for him and his continued recovery. Also, please pray for Donald Latvala, Steve Mackey's father-in-law, Bucko, uh, who had a serious fall on Friday and is recovering at St. Rita's. Are there other prayer requests, other announcements for the congregation? Yeah, Melanie. Um, my daughter-in-law, Jess, her grandmother passed away. Okay. Sunday, so. Okay. So your daughter-in-law, Jess, her grandmother passed away. Okay. Yeah, two. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, who helped make the funeral service so so beautiful and also such a good time for the Waltz family and who brought food, who helped. Thank you. All right, if there's nothing else, I'll invite you to take a moment to quiet your hearts and minds as we prepare for worship and listen to the prelude.
congregation, I invite you to stand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And for his sake, God forgives you all your sins. To those who believe in Jesus Christ, he gives the power to become the children of God and bestows on them the Holy Spirit. Amen.
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest and peace to God's people on earth. Almighty and ever-living God, increase in us the gifts of faith, hope, and love, and that we may obtain what you promise. Make us love what you command, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. A reading from Jeremiah. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, oh, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms, to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build up and to plant. The word of the Lord. We'll read responsibly Psalm 71. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your 
Be my strong rock, a castle to keep me safe. You are my crag and my stronghold. For you are my hope, O Lord God, my confidence since I was young. I have been sustained by you ever since I was born. For my mother's womb, you have been my strength. My praise shall be always of you. A reading from 1 Corinthians. If I speak in tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they come, will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put away the, an end to the childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. And the greatest of these is love. The word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Luke. Then Jesus began to say to all in the synagogue in Nazareth, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, except to a widow of Seraphath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel, in the time of the prophet Elisha, 
and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord. Invite you to be seated, children. I invite you forward. I don't know how up you are on your calendar, but what is uh, the next big candy-giving holiday that we're about to have? Yeah, Valentine's Day, right? February 14th. Here in a couple weeks, Valentine's Day. Uh, I have mixed feelings about Valentine's Day, but I won't go there. But Valentine's Day, we hear the word love a lot. We see hearts everywhere, hear about romance and love and all of this. And you have to wonder, I think, what about God? Right? In church we hear about how God loves us, God is love. What does that have to do with Valentine's Day and love and giving cards and candy and romance? How's that all connected? So I think it's important for us always to come up with a good understanding of what love is. Uh, And that helps us understand truly what's going on on Valentine's Day, what's going on in church. Whenever we use that word love, what's going on? All right, so here's the definition of love. All right, and it's really simple. The definition of love is wanting good for another person. Wanting good things to happen to another person, wanting the best for another person, that's what love is. Wanting good for someone else. Right, and so that looks like different things. Right, on Valentine's Day, we remember sometimes it looks romantic, like a husband and a wife have love for one another. They develop that through romance, but at the heart of it is they want good for one another. Right? But that's also our key. When we talk about God is love, and we say that Jesus loves you, that's the same heart of it, that God wants good for you, that Jesus Christ wants good for you. Right? And so when we read in 1 Corinthians, we did this morning, this passage is almost always read at weddings. If you go to a church wedding, you're going to hear this. But Paul says, love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable. It's not resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things, endures all things. And then Paul will go on to say, and now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. Right? For Paul, the greatest thing in our life is first, that God wants good for us. But then secondly, that he gives us the grace to want good for other people. Right? That's what the Christian life is all about. It's first knowing that God wants good for you. Right? And so when you're going through hard times in your life, when things don't make sense, when you have lots of questions, lots of doubts, go back to that thought. God loves you. And what that means is God wants good for you. But then also, as a Christian, how do you live in this world? Live loving others. Want good for other people. Right? Don't want bad for other people. 
Don't try to get revenge on people. Don't wish bad things on people. Want good for people. That's what love looks like. Right? Wanting something good for someone else. Let's pray. Lord, we know that you love us. And that you want good things for us. Help us now to love others. And to want good for them. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I always love our reading from Luke 4. Uh, because we get a picture of Jesus' first sermon. And so here in his first sermon, actually his first public words in the Gospel of Luke, they result in his hometown neighbors wanting to throw him off a cliff. Right? How's that for a first call? How's that for a first sermon? Thankfully, you all have not tried to throw me off a cliff yet. But more to the point out of this reading, Jesus' message actually starts off quite well. Right, so our gospel reading begins right in the middle of Jesus' sermon. So before today's text, which was the gospel we read last week, Jesus stands up in the synagogue in Nazareth, his hometown, and the sermon begins with Jesus reading from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And after reading this passage, Jesus tells the congregation, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, Jesus is claiming to be God's anointed. In Hebrew, that is the word Messiah. The message, a paraphrased translation of the Bible, suggests that we should hear in this reading, this is God's year to act. This piece of Isaiah is pure hope. The day when humble sinners, oppressed outcasts, all who cry out to the Lord will finally have their place in God's kingdom. And it's not just the economically poor, but it's all who are marginalized. It's all who are outcasts from fellowship with other people. It's all who are seen as losers in this world. It's sinners who know they can't save themselves. God has come to be their savior. He has remembered the ones forgotten by the world. The congregation hears this and they marvel at what Jesus is claiming. They were quite pleased, actually. They had already heard of his previous miracles in other neighboring small towns. And so verse 13 in Luke 4 tells us that there was a report spreading about him throughout all the country. The congregation anticipated his words. They anticipated the great miracles he would perform for them. Heck, he came home to his hometown. Imagine what kind of miracles he was going to do for all of them. Verse 23 tells us then that Jesus began his sermon and all spoke well of him. They were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. The phrase gracious words might be better translated as words of grace. The words of grace that came from his mouth amazed them. And they were thrilled about it. Jesus was preaching grace. In that little rural congregation, all was well. And what better news is there for them to hear than to hear that God has come to heal you, to set you free, to assure you of his favor, 
It's the kind of sermon we all look forward to on Christmas Eve or Easter morning. It overflows with hope and positivity. And so there was optimism in that little congregation. If Jesus had been doing great things all over the countryside, how much more would he perform great wonders for his very own people, the people he grew up with? If Jesus has grace to announce, then how much more grace will he have for his neighbors? If you know Jesus, though, you might anticipate that things were about to turn in another direction. Jesus is never the kind of preacher to leave well enough alone. It's not the kind of preacher to be satisfied with making the congregation happy, shaking everyone's hand at the end of the service. No, rather, Jesus makes a move in his sermon where he implies that he is, in fact, on earth to bring good news to the poor. But the definition of what exactly makes up that poor is far broader than the congregation would assume. Just as through Elijah, God demonstrated his mercy and love and power to people outside of Israel, so Jesus tells people of his little hometown, it's actually not just about you. The words of grace that so please their ears are the words of grace that are going to please the ears of all people. The coming Messiah has something to say to a far wider audience than little Nazareth could wrap its head around. And of course, that's good news for us. None of us are Jews from Galilee. And so Jesus' words here are pure grace for us. And we think, yes, that's right. God's grace is for us Gentiles. Great sermon, Jesus. Thank you. Have a nice week. But, and there's always a but in the Gospels, the, gospel, the people who hear Jesus' words, they rage against him. The Greek here says that the congregation was filled with wrath. They have violent intentions, intentions to kill him. Right? And some people read this and think that the congregation is so angry because they're prejudiced or they're racist. They don't want God's grace for the Gentiles because Gentiles are unwashed pagans. But I think we can see that there is actually more to their anger in this passage. I don't think they're irrational people. I don't think the congregation's irrational. Right? They're not going to try to throw Jesus off a cliff just because he said something good about Gentiles. No, I think they're mad because Jesus was directly calling out their sinfulness. Notice Jesus' allusions here to Elijah and Elisha. Elijah and Elisha were prophets at a time in Israel's history when there were very few faithful people left. The king of Israel at that time and most of the people had forgotten the Lord, and they were worshiping idols. First Kings says Ahab, the king in Elijah's day, did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than had all the kings of Israel who were before him. And so inciting Elijah's miracles, Jesus is accusing the people of his own hometown. He's telling his neighbors, the people he grew up playing with and working with, that God is going to act for Gentiles, for outsiders, because the chosen people of God were not being faithful to the Lord. They were just like the Baal worshipers in the time of Elijah under King Ahab. And so Jesus is calling them to repent. And Jesus' message here in the Gospel of Luke is not a new message. It's a message we've seen before. It's the same message that John the Baptist in just the previous chapter gave to the people. He called them broods of vipers. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
John said that if they don't faithfully serve the Lord, if they don't change their ways, that God's going to raise up children for Abraham out of rocks. Jesus does preach words of grace. But what we see over and over in the Gospels is that Jesus is also not afraid to call sin, sin. Now this is Jesus among his very own people. And he knows their heart. And as a people, he knows that they're exactly what John the Baptist calls them, a brood of vipers. And so as we read this gospel text, it's so easy to think that somehow the people of Jesus' hometown are different from us. So before we jump to the sweet, pleasing words of grace in Jesus' sermon, we must always confront the fact that first, in some ways, we're like the people of Nazareth. We're like the people in Jesus' hometown. We can be like the ones filled with wrath, the ones ready to push the Messiah off a cliff, the ones who were rightly called out for their faithlessness. Yes, Jesus knows the thoughts and the imaginations of our hearts just as well as he knew the thoughts of the hearts of the people in Nazareth. Because the thoughts of our hearts, to paraphrase the book of Genesis, are filled with evil without stopping. Our confession as Lutherans is that we're born with sin, that is, without the fear and without the trust of God. Psalm 94 tells us God knows every person's thought, so there's no hiding our lack of faith from Christ. As sinners, then, how quick we are to be like the original audience of Jesus' first sermon. We come to think so easily that it's only the words of grace we need to hear. That we come to church for those words of grace and that's it. But we forget that our lives as Christians are filled with daily repentance. They're filled with daily dying to our sins, precisely so that we might daily rise with Christ. In the time of Epiphany, it's traditional to look at Luke chapter 2 in the words of the prophet Simeon when the infant Jesus was presented in the temple. Simeon says, This child, Christ, is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And these words of Simeon are not locked in history, but they apply to us this morning. Jesus reveals the inner thoughts of our hearts. He preaches to us, even this morning, some hard facts. We're not always faithful. We fail to act in love. We fail to act in the best interest of others. We're tempted to hoard our money, hoard our resources, hoard our possessions. We set up idols to serve rather than the living God. We lie, we accept dishonest gain, we find pleasure in the downfall of our neighbors. We fail to live for the glory of God. Yes, in fact, this means that we are the losers in this world. The unfortunate wretches who so desperately need to hear the good news of the Messiah. Yes, we're the angry ones who, when confronted with our sin, might readily just push Jesus off a cliff and say, I don't need you. But here's the good news. Although we seek to push Jesus off a cliff in our life so often, in our baptisms, Jesus has in fact pushed us off a cliff. That cliff, however, was not the side of a bluff in Galilee. Rather, it was on a hill that was called Golgotha. It's not a wrath-filled mob that brings us to this cliff, but it's a loving and merciful God, a loving God who wants good for us. Yes, God has killed our old natures, 
and he's raised us to new life with his son. He has brought us good news. He has released us, us, the captives of sin and death, and he has given us love and life. He has given us sight to see his goodness. He has freed us from the oppression of sin. And he has given us the best news of all. This year, in fact, this very morning, because of Jesus Christ, because of the Messiah from Nazareth, you, a sinful wretch, a person full of wrath, a person who would hate Christ in your sinfulness, you have actually found favor with God. He loves you. He wants good for you. He always forgives you. Amen. invite you to stand with me as together we confess our faith using the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, 
He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I invite you to be seated. Uh, Council, I invite you forward. So for the year 2022, Zion's Church Council will be made up of the following persons. Steve Mackey is president, Kevin Coates vice president, and Mary Morshek is our recording secretary, Rose Roberson financial secretary, and Amanda Hunsinger treasurer. Other members are Bruce Roberson, Jim Hunsinger, Rob Holman, Jennifer McGall, Bob McGall, and Jim Long. And so these following people have been elected to positions of leadership. So we give thanks for their willingness to serve. In baptism, we are welcomed into the body of Christ and sent to share in the mission of God. We rejoice now that these brothers and sisters will lead us in our common life and our mutual mission as a congregation. So a reading from 1 Corinthians. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So you have been elected to positions of leadership and trust in this congregation. You are to see that the words and deeds of this household of faith bear witness to God, who gathers us into one with the whole church. You are to seek to involve all members of this congregation in worship, learning, witness, service, and support, so that the mission of Christ is carried out in this congregation, in the wider community, and in the world. You are to be faithful in your specific area of serving, that the Spirit who empowers you may be glorified. And you are to be examples of faith, active in love, fostering peace, harmony, and mutual understanding in this congregation. So on behalf of your sisters and brothers in Christ, I ask you, will you accept and faithfully carry out the duties of the offices to which you have been elected? And you may answer, I will, and I ask God to help me. And I ask you to turn around and face the congregation. So people of God, I ask you, will you support these, your elected leaders, and will you share in the mutual ministry that Christ has given to all who are baptized? You may answer with, we will, and we ask God to help us. We will, we ask God to help us. So I now declare you installed as council members and officers of this congregation. Almighty God bless you and direct your days and your deeds in peace that you may be faithful servants of Christ. Amen. Let us show our appreciation to those who are willing to serve our congregation. And now again, I invite you to stand. And let us pray with the whole people of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uniting your people as one body in your Son by your Spirit. 
Help us to foster unity through loving one another as you have taught us to love. Cultivate in us patience, kindness, and humility as we bear the burdens of those in our community. Give us the grace to rejoice in the success of others, to forgive those who have hurt us, and to encourage our neighbors to flourish with us. Lord, in your mercy. Through your precious Son, you have announced the day of your favor. Give us the strength and the courage to speak your word of gospel to the poor, the prisoner, the sick, and the outcast. Help us to remain steadfast in our faith whenever we are rejected for proclaiming this good news. We pray now for those who suffer persecution for following you, especially your servants in China and India, Iran, Pakistan, and all of those places where persecution is rampant. Lord, in your mercy, give us a greater awareness of our responsibility to care for your creation. Help us to use resources wisely in order to preserve the health of the air, water, and land in the present and for generations to come. Lord, in your mercy. Be merciful to our nation, that we may live securely in peace and may be guided by your providence. Give all in civil authority, especially Joseph, our president, and Richard Michael, our governor, the wisdom to know your will and to do it. Help them to work for justice and peace. Lord, in your mercy. Provide warmth, protection, safety, and friendship to all of those who suffer because of the winter weather, especially those who are homeless and those who struggle to heat their homes safely. Lord, in your mercy. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in mind, body, or spirit, especially Bob, Steve, Mike, June, Nancy, Marcy, Donald, Greg, Alan, Ray, Marilyn, Rose, Tony, Carolyn, June, Steve. Give them hope and comfort in all of their troubles. Lord, in your mercy. I receive our praise for the faithful lives of the saints who have preceded us in death, who lived by faith in the words of your Son, and with them bring us faithfully to the day of our resurrection. Lord, in your mercy. All of these things and whatever else you see that we need, grant to us, dear Father, for the sake of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now the peace of the Lord be with you always. I invite you to share signs of God's peace with one another.
Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And now gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as our Lord Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Peace, serve the Lord.